Chapter Twenty Six of the Purple Flame by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Twenty Six The Mysterious Deliverer. Accustomed as they were to the presence of men, the reindeer, not at all frightened by the shots, held their position in the impregnable circle. The cowardly wolves began to slink away at the first shot. It seemed no time at all until the only sound to be heard was the rattle of antlers as the deer broke ranks and began to scatter again for feeding. Some moments before the girls could make their way out of the centre of the herd, the firing ceased. Who could it have been? Patsy asked. Don't know, said Marion. Whoever it was, we must find them and thank them. This task she found to be more difficult than she had supposed. There had doubtless been tracks left by the strange deliverer, but these had already been trampled by the deer. Search as they might, they could find no trace of the person who had fired the shots. Mute testimony of his skill as a marksman, two dead wolves lay on the snow close to the spot where the defensive circle had been formed. "'What did you make of that?' Marion asked at last in great bewilderment. "'Terragluna! Where could they have gone?' Canoctimana. I don't know. Terragluna shook his head soberly. One of Marion's sleds had been left at the edge of the forest. Upon returning to this, they experienced another great surprise. Lying across the sled was a rifle, and in a pile beside it were five boxes of cartridges. A rifle! exclaimed Marion, seizing it and drawing it from its leather sheath. A beauty! And a new one! The two girls sat down on the sled and stared at one another in speechless silence. Terragluna and Atatak soon joined them. It was the Indian, the one we saved from starving, exclaimed Patsy at last. I just know it was. Terragluna shook his head. Old rifle, maybe all right, he mumbled. New rifle, maybe Indian not give. The girls, not at all convinced that this conclusion was a correct one, still clung to the belief that their protector had been the indian since it was impossible to cross the river it was decided that they should make camp at the edge of the forest that terragluna with the rifle was to keep watch over the herd the first part of the night and marion who was a good shot the latter half it was while marion was packing away the dishes after supper that the piece of old ivory with the ancient engraving on it the newest piece which they had found in the mountain cave fell out of her sleeping bag without knowing it she had saved this the least of their treasures look she said to terragluna who sat cross-legged before the fire we found this in a mountain cave what does it say surely you can read it for a long time terragluna studied the crude picture in silence when at last he spoke it was to inform her that the ivory had once belonged to his great-uncle that it told of a very successful hunt in which twenty caribou had been driven into a trap and killed with bows and arrows that shortly after that they had come upon a white man with a long beard starving in a cabin beside a stream they had given the man caribou meat he had grown strong then gone away as pay for their kindness he had offered them heavy yellow pebbles and dust from a moose-hide sack this they had not taken because they did not know what it was good for they had asked two cups and a knife instead 
as he explained this the eskimo showed each picture that told the part of the story narrated it seems very real said marion how long ago could it have been maybe twenty years said terogluna the white man was a prospector and the yellow pebbles and dust must have been gold exclaimed patsy oh marion if we could find that place we'd be rich terogluna could you find the place again the eskimo studied the ancient picture writing eh eh he said at last maybe could oh marion we'll go back said patsy doing a wild dance on her sleeping bag we'll go back for gold for the present said marion quietly we have work enough we must get our herd to fort jarvis looks as if that will be a difficult enough task but tell me she turned suddenly to terogluna there were more than fifty reindeer with old omnapook were there not yes where did they come from my master's herd they are the deer we have been missing all winter the ones we thought had been killed yes why then she leaped suddenly to her feet in her excitement then those people cannot have killed our deer at all no not kill then why did they follow us are they following us now what was it they killed that night if not our deer oh it's too perplexing for words terogluna looked at her and smiled a droll smile many strange things on hill and tundra sometime maybe no maybe not terogluna must go watch you sleep tomorrow may be very hard taking up the rifle he left the tent before creeping into her sleeping bag marion stepped out of the tent to cool her heated brow in the crisp night air above her the stars gleamed like tiny campfires beyond her the dark forest loomed from the distance she caught the bump and grind of ice crowding the banks of the river morning came and with it the problem of crossing the river they had been travelling by compass as far as marion could tell to go either up or down the river would be to go out of their direct path terogluna advised going north some signs intelligible to the girls but clear enough to him appeared to promise a crossing two or three miles above for once the canny instincts of the eskimo failed he was no longer in his own land of barren hills tundra and sea perhaps this caused him to err one thing was certain as they travelled northward the hills that lined the stream grew more rugged and rocky and the river more turbulent we won't find a crossing for miles marion said with a tone of conviction even terogluna paused to ponder and scratch his head it was just at the moment when despair appeared about to take possession of them that patsy chancing to glance away at the hills that loomed above the opposite banks suddenly cried look a man all looked in the same direction she had pointed the man was standing perfectly still but his right hand was pointing like a wooden signboard it pointed downstream three times the arm dropped three times it was raised to point again he is an indian said terogluna stoically it is his country he knows we must go back the crossing lies in that direction as the man on the hill saw them turn their herd about and start back he began to travel slowly downstream all that day and even into the night he went before them showing the way like a pillar of fire 
said Marian with a little choke in her voice There was no doubt in her mind that this benefactor was the Indian they had befriended when he was starving To her lips there came a line she had long known I was hungered and ye gave me meat Not wishing to camp again at the edge of the forest they traveled without rest or food for eight hours at last when they were so hungry and weary that they felt they must drop in their tracks and fall asleep they came suddenly to a place where the troubled rush of waters ceased where the river spread out into a broad quiet ice-bound lake thank god marian murmured reverently as she dropped exhausted upon her sled after resting and eating a cold lunch of hardtack frozen boiled beans and reindeer steak they headed the herd across the lake having passed through the narrow forest that skirted the lake they came upon a series of low-lying barren hills here in a little gully lined with willows whose clinging dead leaves rustled incessantly in the breeze the girls made camp before going to sleep marian walked out into the night to view her herd the sky was clear the golden moon made the night light as day the herd was resting peacefully she wondered vaguely if other human beings might be near their mysterious guide had left them at the shore of the lake at no time had he come close enough to be identified she was wondering about him and as her gaze swept the horizon she saw the red and yellow gleam of a campfire her feeling toward that campfire had changed there had been a time when it filled her with fear now as she gazed steadily at it it seemed a star of hope a protecting fire that was perhaps to go with them all their long journey through the indians camp i suppose and yet she asked herself is it it might be the tent of the purple flame and if it is do they mean us good or ill sleep that night was long and refreshing they awoke next morning with renewed courage before them lay great sweeping stretches of tundra for days without a single new adventure they pushed on toward fort jarvis sometimes beside a campfire of willows marian sat wondering how they were coming on with their race were scarberry and his herd nearer the fort than they there was no way to tell traveling the trackless arctic wilderness is like sailing the boundless sea as a thousand ships might pass you by night or day so a thousand herds taking other courses might pass this one on its way to Fort Jarvis and no owner know of the others passing Sometimes too she thought of those mysterious camp followers the people of the purple flame She no longer feared them was curious about them. That was all No longer did she catch the gleam of their light by night Had they turned aside gone back or had they merely extinguished their unusual light? The Indians she thought must have been left behind they would not travel far from their hunting ground they had been served and had served in turn now they might safely be forgotten then there came a time that called for all the courage and endurance their natures could command one night they found themselves camped among the foothills of a range of mountains the mountains a row of alternating triangles of deep purple and light yellow lay away to the east and at their peaks the snow tossed high in air by the incessant gales that blew there made each peak seem a smoking volcano Tomorrow said Terragluna throwing out his hand in a sweeping gesture. We must cross Is there no other way 
asked Patsy. Must do, said Terragluna, as he hurried to the task of putting all in readiness. Two o'clock in the afternoon on the following day found them engaged in a terrific battle with the blizzard that ever raged up the mountain pass which they must cross. Try not the pass, the old man said. The storm is lowering overhead. Patsy chanted bravely as, with snow-encrusted head, and with cheeks that must be rubbed incessantly to prevent them from freezing, she struggled forward. A moment later, as a fiercer shock seemed about to lift her from her feet and hurl her down the mountainside, Marion heard her fairly shriek into the teeth of the gale, Excelsior! Excelsior! Many hard battles had Marion fought out on the tundra, but nothing had ever equaled this. The snow, seeming never to stop, shot past them, or in a wild whirling eddy dashed into their faces. The wind tore at them. Now it came in rude gusts, and now poured down some narrow pass with all the force of a waterfall. Only by bending low and leaping into it could they make any progress. The herd plunged stumblingly forward in a broad line. The dogs, incessantly at their heels, urged them forward. Terragluna and even the brave Atatak did all in their power to keep the herd moving. If they stop, oh, if they do, panted Marion, if they refuse to go on, we are lost. If only we reach the summit, I am sure we will be safe. It must be calm on the other side. Now Gold, the master collie, completely exhausted and blinded by the snow, came slinking back to his mistress. Marion rubbed the snow from the eyes of the faithful dog and, patting his side, bade him go back into the fight. Tears came to her eyes as the dog bravely returned to his task. The time came at last when all three dogs seemed done in, when the deer all but stopped, when it seemed impossible that they might be kept moving another five minutes. Then it was that the indomitable Marion sank down upon her sled in the depths of despair. Look, look, cried Patsy, who had turned about to rub the frost from her cheeks. Wolves, a whole pack of them. Marion wheeled about for one look, then, digging into her pack, drew forth the rifle. We'll die fighting, she murmured, as she took steady aim at the foremost member of the pack that came tearing up the trail. She was about to press the trigger when Patsy gave her arm a sudden pull. Wait, she cried. Wait, those are not wolves, they're dogs, great, big, wonderful dogs. End of chapter 26